Want to do a quick commercial here for our friends at Daxco. That is D-A-X-K-O. Owners of Club Automation, CSI Spectrum, MotionSoft, BFP Next. These software platforms go beyond the current club software and provide best-in-breed solutions to the Halo sector. They wake up every day. They're thinking about your fitness community. They're trying to enhance your member experiences, the facility, easy-to-use software for the staff. If you're looking to change your software, if you're looking to get ahead, if you're looking to get to the next level in the Halo sector and win, do me a favor. Go to info.clubautomation.com forward slash the experience. That is forward slash the experience. Pete Moore, Petey Mo, checking out. And now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC on location. Dax Go, Miami Beach Convention, booth 831. By the time this airs, 831 will be meaningless, but might mean something to us. So here we have Amira Pollock, my good friend from Pico and Robertson by way of Manhattan Beach and Harvard Business School. Welcome. Welcome to Halo Talks. Thank you for having me, Pete. Amazing. So another fellow HBSer who jumps into the Halo fitness sector without doing any research except her gut and her frustrations personally, which is the best way to build a business. So tell us why you got into the space and how it's going. Absolutely. It's so funny, Pete, that you bring up HBS and Harvard <laughs> Business School because I got my fitness career started in the basement of the Shad Gym. And for those who don't know what Shad is, it's the Harvard Business School Gym, the basement spin cycling studio. That's where I got so, started. So you did you put that on your application that I will go to Harvard Business School and I will have a spin class on the side as one of my hobbies? Absolutely or not. contributions Absolutely to, the, to not. the community? But I did have somewhere that growing up, one of my favorite pastimes, and you mentioned LA, I'm born and raised in Los Angeles. One of my favorite pastimes as a kid growing up outside of school was playing music, dancing, doing musical theater, athletics. And so I found absolutely an affinity for that combination of music meets movement. And Harvard did know that, but they didn't know I was gonna be teaching in the spinning, <laughs> the spinning studio at what the did, what did you do? What did you do before business school? Right before business school, I was actually in SaaS, for those who aren't familiar with SaaS. Software as a service, business to business software. So I got my teeth cut at SAP uh, in various roles, communications. I worked for the CEO's office in my final quarter at SAP, which was incredible. Bill McDermott, a huge um, star and mentor, uh, as well as role model for me. And then uh, at Kespri, which is a drone analytics for uh, industrial use case uh, companies. So aerial surveying and using that data to uh, improve and optimize operations and manage assets on mining sites and uh, for insurance claims adjustments, all these kinds of sexy things. And my uh, one of the, the work outfits. Today, our work, our work outfit is athletic wear, right, Pete? My work, my work outfit then was steel-toed boots, a hard hat, and reflective neon equipment. It was just a completely different And you're definitely the only role. SaaS person on the construction side, I'm assuming, or the excavation. Often, so absolutely yes, and then also often the only woman, because there are a lot of, you know, guys out there with their with just their muscles out hauling big equipment, using big equipment. It was definitely so it's like the smallest person out there <laughs> the most female person out there and the only SAS person out there on the field so very different from fitness 
However, business technology and software that helps uh, organizations optimize and improve their impact. I think it's really interesting as you think back. One of my my mentors and, and a guy I worked for, he used to always use this term like experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. And, you know, you got steel, steel tiptoe uh, shoes and you're on a mining site and you're like, hey, I got to figure out how this should be done better. I got to figure out how to educate people or, you know, push this, this chain of command or better understand their business and optimize what they're doing. So what are some of the experiences that you've had, you know, either in the fitness industry where you've said, like, this could be done better and I'm not. And the way it's being done right now, it's just unacceptable and it's inefficient. So how did you kind of use your lens from SaaS to all these big companies that pay a lot of money, you know, for per seat, where you said per seat in the fitness industry of like, oh, it's a thousand dollars per instructor per month. They'd be like, okay, thank you. You know, see you later. But if you said that to a mining company or Caterpillar, they'd be like, okay, that sounds about right. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, there are so many ways that I could answer that. But in, in a nutshell, in the fitness industry, and just even thinking about the story of my initial journey in our industry, in that basement studio that I was talking about before, from day one, I walked in there and my question was, as a coach, what do I teach? How do we teach you? How do we design an experience here that is optimal for our members? And at every stage of the process, it was broken. And I can name a hundred ways, but um, I, was, I was telling you, uh, we were talking a little bit about this um, the other week, but it really came to a head my first six months of teaching, I had built my first group of regulars. You know what that's like as a coach and as sure. a student, you just got the crew. You're like, hey, I see these people a lot. Right. And I lost 60% of my clients in one week. What happened? I had a line out the door. The week after that, there was no line out the door. And what happened was I had to go away for a week. I needed a, a substitute. And we had completely different structures for class. And actually, while I was away, my clients said that they loved the coach. They even got more done in the workout. They rode more distance. I was teaching indoor cycling. They burned more calories. But the structure of the class, the playlisting method, the genres that they liked were not present. Right. And so our clients every day, so it's not just, on the one side, there are the inefficiencies of businesses and just things that should be done better. And then on the other side, our customers, our clients, their expectations are rising. Right. right. And they want more. And mind you, in this type of environment, this customer was not paying $35 per class. They were paying $0 per class. Oh, is that right? This is part of their membership. It's at the university gym. Oh, okay. okay. And I was thinking, you know what, it's, it's funny, we're, we're talking about Harvard. If Harvard hasn't gone there right, who has gotten it right sure, in the industry? Sure. Especially when you have demanding, you know, type heirs that say, I want things a certain way and I want things delivered. You know, if you can develop a software that allows you to cater to that group of, of very high, you know, maintenance, if you will, not in a bad way, in a good way. Like, I want this experience to be awesome like you want it to be. And now if I can get that right, then I can actually push it down to the rest of the market, not push it up. Yeah, and it shouldn't matter if it's at Harvard or anywhere else. Right, it shouldn't matter saying, if it's right? at the YMCA or if we're at SoulCycle or if we're at Barry's. Everybody deserves a great experience. That's what we want to provide as an industry. And I just thought in that moment, wow, that was what lit the match under my butt. I'm like, we need to do better because 60, losing 60% 60 of our clients in one week, mm -hmm. that is a recipe for 
non-retention, that's just a disastrous business problem. And so just being passionate about fitness and being passionate about, I, you know, going back to those times of being in steel-toed boots in the field, I love spending time with customers. I love asking them about their problems and their aspirations and their vision for how things can be better. Gotcha. So when you when you left Harvard Business School, um, a funny story is like, you know, Ron, I was leaving Harvard Business School, I called my dad, I said, I think I'm gonna go buy the summer camp I went to. He's like, well, why don't you go into finance? You yeah. know, like you spent two years kind of be a business person. So how did you kind of have the conviction to say, you know, I'm gonna do this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna become an entrepreneur? And what what were some of the other things you were thinking about doing at the same time? Well, the first thing is, I have to admit, this isn't the first company that I've started. Uh, my first business actually started when I was eight years old in the third grade, and I just kind of grew up in a family environment that was like, hey, you've got a problem. If you've got a problem, you see it, fix it. Who else is going to do it? You can't expect anybody else to do it for you. So in, in my first business, I, uh, as a little kid, you know these like Jansport backpacks in the 90s, these yep. like big bulky things? Yeah, I, I had a hard time with my little eight-year-old fingers opening and closing my backpack, getting all my books out and getting my materials. And so I'm like, how do I solve this? Oh, maybe I can put a, a keychain on on the zipper. And so I had we I, I found this kit at like Michael's or Joann's or something like that. And they're these bright pink starfish beaded, really chunky keychains. So I put one on my backpack. And I found, I got a lot of friends asking, hey, Mira, where did you get that? Can I get that from you? Uh -huh. Actually, can I pay you to to make one for me? And so I was selling these keychains for a buck. Were you doing anything with them or like customizing them, put like googly eyes on them or anything? Or no, they up? all wanted the same thing. I think, I don't know, maybe it was just a thing. Maybe kids are just like, they, we all wanted oh, matching. There were no, there were actually no color. And that, that was great. That was really great for optimizing my business sure, process. Sure, of that. Sure. I wasn't really thinking about it uh, in that way. But I guess it's like one, on the one hand, habituating yourself in, in solving problems and solving problems that add value to the extent that people are asking to pay for it from you was a behavioral pattern that as an entrepreneur, I seek when I'm looking at new businesses. So that, with that mindset, not maybe necessarily an eight-year-old mindset, I took that into thinking about, I'm like, okay, well, I can start an app here, but is this a viable business issue and problem that people are willing to pay for? So actually, instead of doing, you know, most of our friends at, at Harvard Business School, between their first and their second year, they do a grown-up internship. Maybe they go work at Integrity Square and have yeah, a finance yeah, job something like or something yeah, like I that. Hear you. No, I didn't do that. Um, I spent the summer doing market research. And so on actually, this, on, on this, actually what I did was I put out a line on social media and I said, hey, everybody, anybody who knows anybody who works in the fitness industry, I have an entrepreneurial idea and I'm doing some exploratory research. I want to talk to them. I cannot and believe <laughs> that we didn't meet three years ago, four years ago from that. I got to check my I HBS can't believe LinkedIn. Because actually I did check so the alumni. I, I checked the alumni directory too. I cold emailed a bunch of people to oh, spend just man. like 15, 20 minutes with me to tell me about their lives. And I, what I was looking for, for validation and de-risking it to the point where I had enough conviction rolling out of business school to start and jump in this full time was looking to see if this issue, the class, the consistency, the quality control, and the engagement during class was a top three pain point for the actual top line 
and bottom line of these businesses. Because if it is not, I'm not going to be wasting your time. I'm not going to be wasting my time with it. Right. So let, let's talk about, I want to talk about what the software does in a minute. But what I first want to talk about is there are different types of cycling environments and different types of classes, right? So I go to SoulCycle and I don't go at a specific time. I go for a specific instructor. So to me, I am going to a live event and that instructor is an artist. And it's like me going to a Maroon 5 concert or going to, you know, see someone play an acoustic guitar or what have you. Um, so I'm following the instructor. There are other classes that are set up where the the program is is basically like the pull, right? It's not, it's not a person. It's actually like the program and what the results are. And then there's probably a hybrid of the two. So how do you kind of think about cycling and think about like those three buckets or maybe there are additional buckets and how much control you put on the programming bucket so you can deliver the same type of of content versus, hey, I'm, I'm giving this strut, struct um, platform for you as an artist to basically help you manage and scale yourself. Is there that, are, is that yes, fair? absolutely. And there are so many things. I don't know if things. I explained that, Robert, but go, go. Well, I, lo- I love this line of conversation because I think it unearths the fact that as fitness instructors, just the discipline, you are doing so many things. It's not just the workout. It's not just the playlist. It's not just the choreography and like being everybody's stopwatch timer. It's not just managing people's safety as well as their performance. It's also a performance. And so much of what draws people to our communities is that connection that they get when they come into our four doors, maybe they work out with a coach. But a lot of these coaches, and what I found at the beginning of my journey is, if you as a coach and your instructors are just thinking about the programming elements, and they're thinking, oh, what's next in the playlist? When does the beat drop? How long is the beat, you know, what is it that I'm supposed to say next? They get lost and they can't exhibit their own personality and draw that connection with the client. So lucky for you, you have a local instructor who's really able to do that so well. But a lot of us, and especially in a high turnover industry, there are new people coming into the field all the time, new instructors, and they're really stuck in the programming um, because they're spending a lot of their time there and they're not able to get to that next level where they're creating that connection with the members and clients. And that's what we thats what we come into this industry to do. That's what we love to do as coaches. And some of us do love to curate, but what Strut Club is about, and Strut Club, by the way, stands for bringing structure to fitness and structure. What instruction. What if you gave the uh, instructor group just some ready-made class templates and material? Maybe they could switch out a few songs that they like or prefer, have their own coaching notes, and be able to then focus and be present on building that connection, exhibiting, sharing a piece of their heart, really, and who they are with the client and drawing that connection. That really takes the experience to the next level when they're not mired in and thinking about every single last program element. And And then, by the way, you also bridge that consistency of experience and what to expect. You know you're going to get a great workout, and you're also going to get that connection with it. So you can have it all. You can have it all in one, and that's really the big idea. Right. So I would suspect that a lot of uh, companies, studios, and uh, instructors who start using your SaaS platform you know, it basically becomes like their daily or, or hourly user interface, right? So it's basically everything that they need to curate for their job is effectively like your platform. So how do you think about, you know, from a private label standpoint, um, you know, scaling this business? 
Is it going to educate people like on this podcast, like we're talking about, like here's all the reasons why you should use this to, to basically manage the, the release of this content. And also it's basically like a platform for your instructors to have something to do instead of just being on their, you know, their Apple computer kind of putting together a playlist and then taking it over and plugging it in and this and that. Um, how do you think about, you know, what types of companies here should be using it? Cause it's not just for cycling, right? You can basically use it for anything, but from a cycling standpoint, are you in all the, the multi-unit operators, you know, how does this become kind of like, this is the industry standard platform for delivering cycling content. Yeah, and I think go to market as an entrepreneur, that topic is always one of the most exciting topics. And I love to think about the strategy and, and the execution there. So we started, and as you indicated exactly, as a direct instructor platform in our early days, you can download Strut Club for free on the App Store, on any of your iOS devices. You can start using it for free, and then uh, you can level up to a premium uh, level as an individual instructor or as an owner who, an operator who also teaches. But now getting into more of a business to business platform, I mean, absolutely multi-location, anybody who wants to franchise and really have that or, or, or resonates with that value proposition of consistency, quality control, and scalability of the class experience, that sweet sauce that you have across any instructor, any location, any time, is the way to go. And one of the actually, interestingly, um, ways that we're sourcing some of those earliest customers has been through the instructor community that we've already built. So in our own backyard and just continuing to nurture those relationships that we already have at home and building up from instructors. We've found that every household name facility, gem chain, they actually have an instructor who's using Strut Club already. They might just not know it. They might just not know it at corporate. Right, so I mean, right, the, right. The, the person who is is running the company might not be the one who's teaching class, and sometimes it is. Um, and in, in a lot of cases, in that case, a lot of them actually have been starting to use Strut Club just from, from downloading even the free version and, and leveling up to the premium tier as a single user uh, basis on our own. Yeah, so one of the things I've been preaching in this industry for 20 plus years is to, you know, raise your price. And, you know, I got companies that, um, know are, are nervous about doing that because they don't know if they have the value proposition that is going to you know come through to potential members and you know their current members you know as you kind of have more consistency in your group exercise programming and you're a middle market health club is where i'm going with this is you can you you're never going to get the soul cycle instructor or the peloton instructor to work at your regional health club where group exercise is free with part of your $29 a month membership. There's not enough revenue to pay that person what they would get in a studio environment. However, you can take an instructor who is developing or like a, like if a, in a baseball analogy, like a double A or triple A player, and you can arm them with strut club and you can actually have them deliver a very, very similar experience. So when you take a look at the different tiers here, you know, some of these groups are going towards, um, you know, uh, video streaming uh, of, mm -hmm. of classes. You know, maybe just kind of a soundbite or like a marketing ploy, my marketing message to group exercise instructors and group exercise directors to say, look, if you have 40, 50 health clubs, don't don't just go to video. Like, there's a live experience that, that you should still deliver, and I can help you deliver that with maybe a talent level 
that is not the elite talent. Does that one of the things that I don't I think people can kind of forget or don't realize is that a lot of the instructors in their own backyard are looking to teach more, which and their facility like the studios are empty. Right. During those those off hours, and people are coming in. It was interesting. I was listening to Jake Luzzo at um, the summit at BFS in New York, talking about how now, with all the work from home culture, there are these times that would not work for classes pre-pandemic that are working now, right, like right, the 10 right. a.m.s, the 2 p.m.s, and that's really interesting. And I think we can we can design a win-win situation where the instructors that you already have are working more and able to make more revenue for themselves while creating more engagement and revenue for a club. And by the way, practice makes perfect. So there isn't a reason that you shouldn't be able to have um, a soul cycle quality workout. Obviously your facility might be different and the degree to which the instructor may want to like DJ the class and uh, have some of the same nature of motivational coaching and cueing might be different in a different club environment, but there isn't a reason that any member shouldn't have the same quality of workout and really like what we're adding to their lives as, as making their lives better, healthier, the preventative health benefits that they get, the mental health benefits that they get from a workout. There isn't a reason that they shouldn't be able to attain that at any price point that they're paying. Right. So in closing here, um, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you figured out a frustration that's being solved. Obviously you got to wake up in the morning and say, you know, Hey, there's 80,000, you know, playlists and programs that I think you mentioned to me the other day. I mean, that's pretty amazing, right? Yeah. So you in know our database fixing. that has already yeah. been, that so, you, so you know, every day you're waking up and somebody's strutting, you know, structing a class, you know, using your platform and, and, and helping deliver, you know, positivity and, and results to people. So how do you think about, you know, post-COVID, you know, what are you looking to achieve from a personal standpoint? And how is it, yeah, I want to create this big SaaS company, but I also kind of just want to, you know, energize like this community. It doesn't have to, I don't have to go from here to, to here. I'd like, this is what I'm doing. And, and, and that's enough for me. Or that's like, I just want people to, a lot of entrepreneurs come to us and they say, I want to go from five clubs to 500 clubs. It's like, why don't you go from five to 10 to, to 25, right? So how do you kind of think about methodically, this is what I want to build. I'm happy building it. You might wake up in one day and say, I want to do something else and make it even bigger. But how do you think about it? Like in this, I've been graduating from hard business school 24 years, 23 years. How do you think about it from your stage in your life and what you want to achieve and where you are in that path? It's such a good question because, yeah, there are a lot of reasons that entrepreneurs jump into the game. But for, for some of us, and I hope for most of us, there's a purpose and there is a mission. And, and with us, leveling the playing field and amplifying our potential as an industry to deliver the very best, to expand our reach with a lot of folks who they haven't been to the gym. We don't realize we're like these active users, we're drinking our own Kool-Aid, but there's so much of a market out there. There's so many people who need us to be doing what we're doing. And I wake up every morning and I get excited about that. Pete, I still coach. Yeah. I still coach classes myself. And you're gonna be coming to one of my classes soon. We're I gonna make it happen. But 
you know, just having having that reason, that purpose for us, our core values as a company, our authentic, authenticity, impact, and inclusion that drives us every day. It gets us excited every day. It's our operating framework for how we do things. And for you as an entrepreneur, for all of my fellow entrepreneurs out there listening, you got to have that mission. You got to have that purpose. And you, you can break it down into KPIs, like, oh, maybe X number of clubs, whatever. But sometimes actually the way that one of the ways that we're growing right now is deepening our relationships with the current client set to help them achieve their vision and how it is that they want to grow. So how can we grow together? And, and having that curiosity, asking those questions, really boiling down your own purpose and value set framework is going to be that guide and it's going to keep you going. And if it's not there, then you know, there are a lot of problems in this world that need to be solved. We need you to do something else. Right. We need you to do something where you're going to be on fire every day. Awesome. So in closing, you want to give us a uh, either a business quote, personal quote, mentor quote, something that people hear you say? I love the Wayne Gretzky, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. Yep. Yeah, I would love to see Gretzky back out there. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, they say failure is, you know, the first attempt in learning, uh, you know, as an acronym. But yet it's, there's 80% of the population and we need to, to solve obesity, loneliness, and diabetes. So you're, you're part of solution. So thank you for being on. Great to meet you. A little pissed that the HBS alumni database didn't flush out that we should have met four years ago, but we'll <laughs> fix their database next. So good to see you and go Halo. Thanks for having me, Pete. Awesome.